0: Welcome to the Afternoon Show. I'm Bill Arnold. I am just delighted about what happened last hour. It was so much fun. Guy talk went so fast. And thank you uh, to you, to my guests who are probably getting in their cars right now, driving away from the studio. But this hour, I can't wait because Jody Goldie is here with me in the studio. Jody is a licensed marriage and family therapist and specializes in trauma. But we're not really going to be talking about trauma today. We're going to be talking about neglect it's a big word. It's a scary word, and I don't know exactly what it means yet. So, uh, Jody, welcome back to the show. <laughs> don't laugh. Come in seriously.
1: I know. I know. It's true. It's true. Um,
0: um, yeah. So, neglect. Wh- how are we going to talk about that for an hour?
1: You're going to keep asking me really good questions, okay. like you do, because I- that's good to your do that. gifting. Okay. I don't know how you do this job. I know I say it all the time to you, but you have an amazing gifting of just oh, of just being curious and asking all the questions. I'm curious. So, yeah, yeah, you're good at it. Yeah. Okay, so what is neglect? Let's define it a little bit. Um, Okay, it's. I think neglect is really tricky because you know when we talk about trauma or we talk about abuse or we talk about hard things that happen, it's about it's about the things that happen and we can like they're very tangible. Neglect is about the things that you needed that didn't happen, and so it's really hard to name because how do you know what you missed if you don't know what you miss. you know, if you don't know what it is that you're missing, you, mm-hmm. like most people walk through their lives and have no awareness that they've, they've missed something in their growing up years. Um, that, it, how do you know what you don't have? And so neglect is a really interesting thing and it, and it's a spectrum just like anything else. Like it ranges from, you know, gross neglect, which we think about like not being fed, not being changed um those kind of things to um not feeling like you even get to exist and matter in your own home. And so there's a, there's such a wide spectrum that is there's there's a wide spectrum. Mm-hmm. But it it's really interesting cuz the the new research that is coming out so we think of tra- you know trauma as being such an impactful thing as far as like abuse and things like that but what they're, what they're saying and what they're showing with some of the newer, newer research is that neglect, the spectrum of neglect, is actually causing more mental health concerns later in life than um, physical abuse, sexual abuse, things like that. And not that this is a comparative suffering thing, but we haven't been able to like name that. But not getting what you needed is actually really important, too.
0: Hmm. So. But it does raise the question— if you didn't get something that you needed, it's, it might be, uh, uh in your blind spot.
1: To- totally.
0: Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's, yeah. I mean, totally. let's just say, for
0: example, you grew up in a, in a household where there was a lot of yelling and screaming yeah. and you felt like you couldn't participate and you had to hide in your room because there was too much disruption and chaos. Yeah. So th- there's some neglect there at some point, isn't there? Absolutely. Okay. Because,
1: yeah, absolutely. Because... Um and it, it is hard because the neglect word, it's it's like an N-word. Well, okay, that's a different word. Sorry. But it's like a it's a word that is a really heavy word. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to kind of like I use a different word um where you were unaccompanied. I I use that word because I think that illustrates like there's so there's so much feelings around that big word of neglect that when we say unaccompanied, people go, Oh. I I know what that feels Mm -hmm. like. Because, like, think about the kid who's in their room hiding when their parents are yelling. So what's getting missed? That kid is getting missed because the parents have to work out their own stuff, right? But what doesn't get noticed? What doesn't get held is the fear, the, you know, the confusion because nobody's translating what's going on in the world. And kids... Really can't like regulate themselves and their own nervous systems. They need adults to translate what's going on in the atmosphere around them to do that for them. And so when you don't have that, you're unaccompanied. And that is hard. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: So I think that word is a very, it's a much more accessible word. I think so too. Neglect. Yeah. But if the kid's hiding in his room because there's fear and anxiety, And then they come out of the room and they're walking on eggshells. They may not learn how to walk in truth or transparency or boldness because there's fear. Yeah. Right?
1: And I think there's a lot of that messaging that happens that like, um, you know, we we start to take in messages about the atmosphere because, again, like— a caregiver's role is to translate what the heck is happening in the environment. So kids naturally have a neurology that is reflexive meaning like reflective. I think that's a different word. I think those are two (laughs) different words. I think it's reflective. So it means basically that they (laughs) (laughs) We're we're having
0: a little fun with you. Yeah, there's there's
1: some gestures going on towards who is this lady?
0: Um,
1: But like Reflective basically means that when when a, when a kid at a certain age is in an atmosphere where, like, yucky stuff is going on, mm-hmm. like, say dad comes home and he's really mad, a kid will naturally think, dad's mad, that must be my fault, mm-hmm. and they'll take responsibility for it. Like, if, as, you know, for I'm a 43-year-old woman, if somebody came home, I'd be like, you're mad? That's kind of your own deal. Figure that out. That's not about me. You know, that you had a hard day at work, you had whatever— but kids will naturally take that on themselves. And so nobody's there to translate, nope, this isn't your fault. You know, dad's had a really hard day at work mm-hmm. or dad Dad has a hard time managing his emotions. Um, you know, mom Mom drank too much. Like kids will naturally take all of that on themselves instead of knowing that it, it's not their fault. They need somebody to tell them that. And so that's that unac- unaccompanied piece too.
0: Mm-hmm. And these are pro- these are issues that you'll carry on well into your adult life.
1: I know. Don't uh, I feel like I'm the doom and gloom kind of like person wet, wet on blanket. your? Yeah, the you're Jody wet blanket. Here's Goldie. your five o'clock hour where yeah. I tell you all the things. I was hoping this was going to be
0: joyful, but no. no.
1: Welcome to my life.
0: Well, Just you, do this, you do, <laughs> I mean, you do you do this all day, but you have a way of. You have a way of managing yourself uh, I do, b- yeah. because you're always so cheerful. I hope cheer- my
1: husband would say the same that I have a way of
0: Well, no, myself. but you're very cheerful and upbeat. And yeah. for what you have to process all day long, you have a balance, So yeah. which I, I appreciate. So let's get back to how this neglect can show up in adult life and cause issues that are maybe debilitating.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So what... What they're finding is um, there's a there's a gentleman. If you want to like read more about this, there's a gentleman named Alan Shore that does a lot of work with childhood neglect. And so he's, I think it's S C H O R E if I'm correct. But um, so he does a lot of the research, and then other people kind of like go off of him. You can follow the rabbit trails, but um, he talks about uh, depression. Being very linked um, because depression, they're finding that that's more linked to neglect, that that one, um, and that makes a lot of sense to me.
0: Or unaccompanied, unaccompanied. Yes, I like that word. I know, I do I mean, too. That, that one I understand more yeah. than I, I understand neglect.
1: It really like it. It hits your heart.
0: And then the other word you used, Jody, was translate. Who's translating the experience for the the child? Yeah, because it just becomes part of your. It gets into your bones, and then then you're an adult that has all these messages messages yeah yeah that's another good word messages
1: yeah because like if somebody's not there to translate you just like kids kids brains naturally and our brains do too like we make connections we're really good at that naturally that's what our neurology does and so you just make connections oh must be my fault must have been me i must have done that and so that messages of like you're no good you make everybody run away you you know you cause all this when that's not true that probably was never true. Um, and so it's the parents' job to, like, the caregiver's job, like, to come in and say, no, no, buddy, this isn't your fault. Let me translate the atmosphere. I remember this moment we were sitting around the kitchen table and— um, my sister used to live live with us, and it was a day that like I was stressed, my husband was stressed, my sister was stressed. We were, I think it was probably around COVID time, so we were all kind of losing our minds, and in the you could feel it. It was like palpable. Mm-hmm. And I remember my son, who was probably about seven at that time, he was eating dinner, and then he just started crying, and he was like, "I don't know what I did wrong, but something's really wrong." And we realized like he could feel all the stress that we were carrying. And then we had to kind of translate to him, oh, no, buddy, that's not yours. Like you didn't, you didn't do anything wrong. You, you're the joy here. You're not the, you're not the, the
0: downfall.
1: And so translating what's going on. Well, his little
0: brain though. I uh, know. Made, made the, made the call. Yep. Was it a true call?
1: Yeah. And I'm so glad he was able to say what he was feeling. Like that was a really, that was a really powerful moment Mm -hmm. for me to see him do that.
0: Jody Goldie is my guest. Uh, Jody, let's uh, a question from a spiritual standpoint. Do you believe or think that Satan's strategy will be to injure and wound a, a person at the youngest age possible? Mm. I mean, if I can get lies into your brain, and these lies are not translated by an adult, ooh, I got a lie in, in the head that you're you're not worth it or it's your fault and all of a sudden he's got a little a little in
1: yeah i think i mean i think i i don't i'm glad i don't know my mind of satan Whew, that would be a scary place to be but be. um i think that anything i think his whole role is to mar the image of god in us yeah. right mm-hmm. and talk us out of out of who god made us to be and so, yeah, I think, I think any lie that he can kind of weave and, and, you know, reveal the patterns that this must be true. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that would be, that would make sense to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Jody Goldie is my guest. She spells her last name G-O-L-D-I-E. She is over at MWTraumaCenter.com. Unfortunately, her schedule is completely full and she's not able to take any new people. Just so you know, I thought I'd pass that on. Uh, But you can learn more about her at MWTraumacenter.com. We'll take a short break and be right back. If you have a question for Jody regarding neglect or parts of your life you weren't accompanied and it caused issues that maybe still surface in adult life, you can text the question over to 877 933 2484. to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. We're creating encouraging posts every day to help you focus on the important things as you spend time on social media. From graphics that feature Bible verses and quotes from our hosts and show guests, to articles about topics you are interested in, to videos from our hosts. Search Faith Radio on social media sites to connect with us today. Thank you so much. Welcome back to the show. Jody Goldie is my guest. She is a trauma counselor. I've I've lured her into talking about neglect. Um, so thank you for doing that, <laughs> um, because it's an interesting idea to me that there are young people growing up that are being neglected. They may not even know they're being neglected, because we all have blind spots. Yeah, and you don't know what you don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But it's coming around uh, in. Later in life to to bite and it really really uh, causes problems and, and issues and if they continue to go unresolved there's probably unhappiness.
1: Yeah, I think it sets patterns for your life. Like, you know, I, I think our 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 home life. Like, and I'm not. I I want to make this very clear. Like, I'm not of the like the ilk where. You know, if somebody's sitting in my office, I'm going to be like, your parents ruined everything for you. Because that's not going to be helpful either. Like, we need to honor that, like, that they were your parents. And it's okay if you need to, like, if it's, I totally support people if they need to cut off a relationship because they're still in harm. Like, absolutely. But, like, I'm not going to speak ill. um, But I am going to respond. You know what I mean? I am going to, like, if somebody tells me a story that really hurts, I am going to say Ouch that had to be pretty painful to you. You know what I mean? But I think there's like, like a very careful balance. So I like when whenever I think that's why the neglect word can be very heavy mm-hmm. and why unaccompanied feels a little different because if it, fe- it feels like you're you're pointing a finger. And I think I think some people just that they've never been accompanied. They don't know how to accompany. Uh, it's not natural, mm-hmm. like for a lot of us, um, yeah. at all. And so, um, yeah. So I, I do want to say that, but like, yeah, I think it it shows up later in life in patterns that you see. So what something that I often notice um, with folks. So I, I I can think of like two things right off the top of my head um folks that have like a, a history of neglect is that when they get into relationships later on so we in childhood the way that our neurology develops is that when we're in a in a relationship or in a home where um we don't really get to exist or matter we develop a, an understanding of the other human in the relationship. So an understanding of like mom and who she is, we understand the relationship because we understand like how to keep that safe and intact. And we know how to like kind of dance and like make sure that like her nervous system is okay. But what we don't get to do is developed the neurology about who we are as humans, meaning what are our preferences? What do we actually want in life? What are our dreams? How did God make us? And that's not selfish. It's actually just knowing who we are in Christ and who, who God has made us to be uniquely and individually. And so, in you know, and that kind of is, is the way that, like, neglect kind of shows up or unaccompaniment shows up in homes. And then later on in life, what happens is when you get into a relationship— it's really hard to know how to matter and exist or have preferences. You know, it's the, you go on the, on the date and where do you want to go to eat? I don't know. It's okay. It's up to you, you know, or there, or you're constantly like um, managing somebody else's nervous system really without the awareness of your own nervous system, like making sure everybody else is okay. Instead of actually noticing, am I okay? Do I like this situation that I'm in? Do I actually like this relationship? Um, So that's, that's one way that it turns up. Another way that it turns up is, I might've talked about this before, but um, we have, we have these um, seven or eight circuits of uh, emotion in our brain or in our Body. They they were found by this guy named Yak Ponskep. Isn't that a great name? Great name. I know. I'm He's changing named, my name tomorrow. I know. <laughs> Yak. He was known as the rat tickler because he discovered these little, these little, like basically like emotion circuits in animals.
0: He tickled rats.
1: He tickled rats. And then he, he figured out the frequency that we could hear rats giggle, which is crazy. Do you know that puppies giggle? We just can't hear it. So, he figured out all these frequencies where you can actually hear it. And so, what he learned, and of course, he's going to like, you know, figure out their brains and stuff. What he learned is is that we have the same circuit. And there's one circuit that um, relates really closely to an accompaniment, which is um, called like separation panic or panic grief, is what he called it. But there's a woman named Sarah Payton who's an author and an educator, and she calls it alarmed aloneness say more it is a feeling of panic it's not a depression like what we think of with loneliness it's actually a panic that we're alone and nobody will we'll never not be alone mm. and it's a feeling that doesn't often get named um, but it's often like a sign that there's something very young it's almost feels it's a lot of times people describe it as like kind of a shaking in your chest Like there's a little baby that is freaking out because it just needs to be held, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and that's actually one of the circuits that anxiety runs on. So anxiety runs on two circuits and that's why it's so tricky to treat anxiety because we never know what it is. It's either fear, which makes sense, right? Or it's that alarmed aloneness. And so we're seeing this huge uptick with kids having a lot of anxiety and i I don't think it's fear. I actually think it's alarmed aloneness that they feel so alone and separated. So, wow. so I, I <laughs> and unaccompanied, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. The, that's a lot. Sorry. I just threw a lot at you. Are you okay?
0: No. I- <laughs> <laughs> when you think of alarmed aloneness, the opposite is what mm. God says. I'll never leave you or forsake you. So I, Satan, all he's going to do is take the opposite and go, You're going to be alone. So start panicking.
1: Okay. I have never made that connection. And you are so right. Because I always say that's like the, that, like I will never, that's, that's our promise. That's like the one thing that we're promised. That's it. I'll never leave you. And I've never made that connection with Uh. alarmed aloneness. You just did all the work. Well. again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Awkward pause. So Rosella made a comment. She said Jim Wilder and friends studied Daniel Shore's work and asked whether people who had not gotten what they needed in childhood could receive it later as adults. The answer was yes. Then they started developing brain skill exercises. It's amazing.
1: Is that, okay, so there's two people that I'm wondering, I would love to know if, if she's referencing. There's like Alan Shore and then there's Dan Siegel. And they're okay. both like neuroscience brain people that ever, they're so accessible. Well, Dan Siegel is so accessible and I bet that's who um, she's talking about. But like, go go look up Dan Siegel's stuff. Um, he, yes, yes, yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Jody Goldie is my guest. We're talking about neglect or unaccompaniment. And if that's been an issue for you or you're looking back saying, uh, there wasn't a lot of neglect in my life because you've figured it out as an adult and yet you're still now paying a price of some kind and that's a bummer and god will heal all circumstances and god will help you get through all pain and suffering from your past right Jody
1: I believe so I I I know so because I know <laughs> I feel like I've walked this road so I know that like there are absolutely many things and many many ways that that god can 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 kind of hold that baby inside that needs that care.
0: So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've got a bunch of questions that have come in, but I don't know if I can tee one up with the little time we have left before we go to break. Okay. So do you have um, any 30 seconds of of questions Wisdom. to ask the audience that will help trigger them to ask you questions? Hmm. I've I- got a question about hidden trauma. Okay. And the question was, I know it's there. Um, should it be brought up? I, I can't Good remember question. all that happened, but I know the abuse happened. Yeah. So how do I deal with triggers that show up because of that? That's yeah. a question we can talk about when we come back. Okay, but
1: definitely.
0: Is, is that the kind of question that you can easily yeah. address?
1: Uh, well, I'll, let's address that one when we come back. Because okay. I think that is, is huge and I want to spend some time there. I would, say, I would say just notice, you know, kind of like I talked about some of those patterns. Notice, does alarmed aloneness, does that resonate with okay. you? And I'm not saying that, that, oh, that 100% is the sign of, you know, n- or unaccompaniment. Like, yeah. it, that alarmed alon- aloneness can, like, really resonate for people in all, all different situations. But I just want to name that as a, because if we can name emotions accurately, we can actually help
0: hold them. And yeah. anything
1: that's held, like meaning like cared for and named, it can calm down,
0: which is huge. Jody, you are smart and you do voices on radio, which I love. We've oh, already done a couple. Oh, okay. We'll be right back <laughs> with Jody Goldie if you have a question or regarding neglect, 877-933-2484.
1: Show with Bill Arnold. Prime time, drive time. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. Yeah. What's for dinner? Hey. It's the afternoon show with Bill
0: Arnold. I'm back with Jody M. Goldie. What does the M stand for?
1: Marie, Marie, Jody, Marie Goldie—that's got a nice little ring to it. I know. I, I got to admit, that's when I good. first got married, I felt a little weird about it, like I was a nursery rhyme. But that was just cute. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: was cute. Jody's a licensed marriage and family therapist, and got her master's in counseling from Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary. Awfully glad to have her back on the show. We're talking about neglect today. Here's a question, Jody. Uh, this is in regard to parents who were well-intentioned and financially well off, supplying their kids with plenty of opportunity, but they ultimately had kind of a low emotional intelligence and neglected the emotional needs of their kids. So as an adult just coming to realize this, now trying to raise their own kids and fearful that their parents would have the same negative effects on their children, do you have any recommendations on how to navigate this?
1: Okay, so like so fearful of the grandparents impacting the children, is that what I'm hearing? Or fearful of like kind of like the transgenerational like it moving. Sounds it sounds to
0: me like the child that was raised by the neglectful parents are now an adult trying to raise their own kids. Yeah, totally. Yeah.
1: Totally. Um okay. So there's so much to this, I feel like, because I I feel like this is like this is kind of the meat of like what often comes up with neglect because or unaccompaniment is that um people feel really bad because a lot of times this occurs with a lot of privilege. And so, you know, you feel really bad saying, you know, I didn't get what I needed or there was something lacking when it really feels like you should just be grateful because you had a lot and you, you know, and you did, and you can say that like that. These two things can exist at the same time. I think that is part of honoring the truth of our parents is that they can all the truth can exist at the same time? We don't have to leave out parts of the story. Like God's pretty clear on what the whole story is. <laughs> like He knows, so we don't have to. We don't. We don't have to leave that out. Um, but what happens is when, when, when there is unaccompaniment with parents, um, we there's certain things that happen. So one is. Kids don't develop a language around emotions. Emotions is a language that we learn. Um, There's actually a word that, of course, is not in my head right now, and maybe I'll think of it later. Um, Alexithymia. Whoa, nailed it. I love it when my brain's like, I got you, Jody." Um, But, like, Alexithymia is basically this idea that you don't have the words for the things that you feel in your body. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people can't feel below their necks, And then they don't have words for what's actually happening in their body. And that's a really uncomfortable situation when you can't name what you're feeling because you don't know what's happening. And you're like, I guess I need to go to the emergency room because my chest is all hot. No, you're sad. Like it's heavy because you're sad and you're grieving, you know? And so um, parents actually, or caregivers or other people, this is the cool thing about the Holy Spirit too, that I love. I feel like I have learned a lot in relationship with God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit around learning some of these things and naming some of these things for me. And so um, if we don't do that with our kids and we don't give that language, then it's a dead language and they don't have it. And they can learn it later in life. Anyone can learn it anytime. I, I love that saying that I have clients in their 70s and 80s that are like working on these issues and are, are doing fabulous because our brains can do this at any age. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got, you've got that and that can really be a tricky thing because then things get caught in your body and you don't know what to do with them and you can't, you can't really communicate with other people too. It's a huge language. Um, yeah. And then, and then it's, it's hard to, it's hard to pass that on that it's hard. So we also have reflexes in our body. We, um, what happens when we grow up with caregivers is that we have things from them that we mirror so like um you might have a face that you make that that's actually not your face your dad make that face does that make sense and it's just something that you've learned like there's a lot of talk right now on tiktok that people have like these, these seizure episodes because they're watching TikTok and they're actually mirroring, like that's a whole other option thing. We're not yeah. going to get into that, but like we mirror things that we watch pretty constantly because that's what our brain does. We learn from other people. So one thing that that we do learn is how to not accompany people. Like that is something that we take into our bodies and it's going to be a default, unfortunately. And so Um, I I work with an occupational therapist who is fabulous at our clinic. Her name is Betsy Haig. And she always, um, tells me that it takes about three months to change a reflex. So once you notice, so like, um, an example is if your kid leans into you for a hug, a reflex, if you have been unaccompanied is that you move away from it because that's not comfortable. You're like, Mm. Ooh, that's weird. You know what I mean? I've never, I, I don't know how to do that, but, um, If you notice, like, wait, I don't want to move away from my kid. That's not in my core values. That's not who I am. I want to actually move into my kid. You can start doing the opposite with your body and start changing some of those reflexes so that you learn how to accompany somebody. And it's uncomfortable. It's really weird to change your reflexes and your automatic, like, responses. But once you notice it, you're already on your way to changing it. So...
0: That's fascinating. I really like that. Um, David says, it's easy for parents these days to be on their screens and neglect our kids or other family members. What effect will this have on, uh, what effect will this cause the neglected? When mom or dad are always looking at a phone.
1: Yeah. It's interesting because like uh, there's a generational there is a generational difference. Like it's, it's been weird hearing adult, adult, adults now say, yeah, my mom was always on Facebook and she, she didn't pay attention to me. And that kind of is confusing to me because, you know, I grew up in an era where like Facebook didn't exist. And so I was like, what? What? Oh, oh okay. Um, but yeah, so what we need as humans is we need attunement. And what was the word?
0: Attunement. Attunement.
1: So like when you're, when you're with somebody and you're kind of bored by them and you're like, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you kind of like don't really totally like make eye contact. You're not really like, as kids would say, vibing with them. You know what I mean? That's, that's not attunement. Attunement is when you really look at somebody and you're like really interacting with them. I feel like oftentimes now because of screens – that attunement is pretty rare and we need that. Like we, like that is actually how our brains develop. Babies need that. That's how they learn. Like all of that is a necessary, like it's attention is not a want attention is a need because our brains don't develop without that attunement. And we don't need it. You know, we don't need it 90% of the time. We actually need it only about like 40 to 60% of the time growing up. And, and that's actually, that's pretty low. We can, we can do that. You know what I mean? But if you're on your phone, you know, and I, as a parent, I, I feel that it's so addicting. The phone is the most addicting because I get a, I get a dopamine hit from my phone. I do not get a dopamine hit from my kid, but I'm sorry, guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, <laughs> but I know, I know you do, but you're, you're, <laughs> what you're saying is there's uh, your phone is like a little. Slot machine. In it your is hand. a slot
1: machine. Yeah. It really I mean, and they've they've wired that. They've yeah. intentionally hired neurologists to figure right. out how to hit us with more dopamine.
0: And keep you looking at it.
1: And humans don't they give us different things. Yeah. It's not as addictive to be with a human. And so I I have a lot of compassion for why we're so addicted to our phones. But man, we've gotta be aware of
0: that. Mm-hmm. Jody Goldie is my guest. She is a trauma counselor specialist. And Jody, here's a question: I've heard that a person shouldn't talk about their trauma, as it hinders healing. Mm-hmm. If I understand, it's due to re- revisiting, which causes more trauma.
1: Mm-hmm. I think I've kind of talked about it here with you a little bit but like the idea is if you are talking about your trauma and you're rehearsing your trauma and you're going into spaces where it feels like your body gets really activated we should really have little to no activation when we're talking about a specific trauma and I, and people are like, "Well, how do you do that?" Like when we talk about the story of the trauma and the, this actually goes with unaccompaniment when we talk about the story of the trauma we're we're focusing on the story But the part that gets missed is the part of us that went through that. And that's why our bodies get really activated. And we need to like pause and check in because when you tell a story, you're actually reactivating the part of you that went through that trauma again. And why would they want to go through that again? You know, why would you want to do that? So I am all about people telling their stories, but we need to like, um, you know, and you can do this with Jesus, you can do this. in in your own, like rescue those parts of us that have to go, that had to go through that and help us help them stand in the present. And we have, we have brain scans to like show that this is actually a thing, which is so sweet. Rescue them out of the past, get them in the present, let them know that they never have to go through that again, if that's true. Um, And, and let them know that they can be in a, in a place that's different and that you can protect them. And so, If you can tell your story with that part of you protected and you can tell it from like, I'm going to bear witness to what really happened and that part of you is protected, do it. Mm -hmm. But be careful telling your story and putting that part of you through that pain again.
0: Mm -hmm. Jodi Goldie is my guest. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist, counselor. She also has a specialty in trauma counseling. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, answer. just
1: yeah. I can talk about that. I too, know, a little heal. special
0: thing. Yeah. yeah. So here's a question regarding triggers. Do they ever go away or heal?
1: <laughs> I feel like that's such a big question. I mean, it is. <laughs> it is. It is. I mean,
0: if if yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll let I, you answer.
1: Yeah, I think it 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 really depends on the trigger. You know what I mean? I I believe that they can. And again, I believe like, and I know it feels really woo woo when I talk about like parts of us, but everybody feels it. Again, like when, I think I used this last time I was on the radio, but like when you walk into a cafeteria that's full of humans and you have nowhere to sit, you feel like a seventh grader, right? There's like a part <laughs> of you that feels like a seventh grader. We yeah. all have that experience. And so there really are, like we see them, they're, they're little time capsules in our brain that hold trauma. And when we, when we feel something similar to the trauma that we experienced that like opens up and those are, that's where so like, those are the triggers. Like we see those, you know, where we see those things and those traumas open up. So really taking care of the parts of us that went through that can help those triggers. And sometimes the part of us that went through that, because a lot of people have the ability where they can live outside of their bodies. So all parts get, you know, they leave, they dissociate, they, they get to like not be there but the body still needs to be cared for. The body and the nervous system need to be cared for so that some of the triggers that the body holds can like calm down. And there's different therapies to do that, but I, I, I no, not everybody has access to therapy, and it's, it's a really big passion of mine to have community-based healing, that like, there, there is access to information and care and, and accompaniment that doesn't necessarily have to be therapy.
0: So, mm-hmm. we'll take a little break and be back w- with Jody Goldie. We're talking about neglect or unaccompaniment. That was part of your story, and you have a question or comment. eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four Show Jody Goldie is my guest. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist with a specialty in trauma. But we're talking about neglect today, or unaccompaniment. So, if you have suffered neglect, or that was part of your story, a question came in: Jody, does neglect cause major depression? This subject is so important. I've learned about trauma, absence of what we needed. Um, it, uh, let's see. Absence of what we needed is trauma A and trauma B is the bad things that happen to you.
1: Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. 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 I think, I mean, unfortunately, and, and we were just kind of talking about this on the break, like unfortunately when there's not accompaniment for, for, for children, trauma is not far behind. I think we all can kind of like understand how that happens. Like, if 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 a kid is not cared for they're vulnerable mm-hmm. and they can they can end up in some really vulnerable situations and oftentimes kids don't know it's not their fault they don't know how to get out i mean a lot of adults don't know how to get out of situations like that and so yeah it makes them very vulnerable so unfortunately those two can go really hand in hand
0: mhm so question about do you think that th- the enemy would put negative thoughts in a child's mind, and I would think the flip side would be pride. I know Satan puts negative thoughts. I mean, when in the absence of truth, there will be an opportunity for negative thoughts. Absolutely. And the orig- the, the original, the originator of negative thoughts would be the enemy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And like, even yeah and he, I mean, you think about a, a being accompanied <laughs> like to be honest, my story with with the Lord like is I didn't really want to be accompanied by the Lord because he was kind of scary to me mm. because i i was I was translated an idea at some point that um maybe he wasn't the safest human or human. I guess he, yeah, Jesus was a human, yeah. but he wasn't the safest. And so even, even like noticing how we, how we translate, um, and I'm not saying my parents did that necessarily. I think it was through churches and through, you know, other things that I picked up and just kind of decided. And so like, even, even how do we help, help people get accompaniment around Jesus and how do we translate who he is and how compelling he is and how he does go after, you know, he leaves the many for the one and he actually does care. Like, those kind of things need to be to be said to the people that don't don't know don't know that good good father.
0: Mhm. I, I would imagine a lot of people come into a relationship with Jesus and feel overwhelmed in the beginning. Totally. Not only by his love, but his his perfect sacrifice and perfect love and his perfect holiness. Yeah. So you think, boy, if he's got his eyes on me all day long, how do I do i do this
1: yeah and i think it's i think it's confusing too because i think when you when you do have like that lack you you figure it out in your nervous system right like if you have a if you are unaccompanied you actually like Kids are amazing. They figure out how to care for themselves. And honestly, sometimes they figure it out in really hard ways. They figure it out through overeating. They figure it out through binging or purging because that's a reset of our nervous system. When we overeat, it actually calms our nervous system. Like um, cutting is actually releases mass amounts of opioids that like- Yeah, that's why it's so addicting. I didn't know that. Because it's it's like a it's a tool that people figure out for their bodies so that they can calm down or feel real or feel not real. Like whatever whatever it does, you know, for for that particular person. And so kids figure out these ways to do things or drinking, like that one's obvious, or TikTok or, you know what I mean? All these things that, that actually do navigate or help calm our nervous system so that they can take care of themselves. And so, yeah, kids kids are amazing at figuring out how to take care of themselves if, if nobody else is.
0: Well, we're always interested in changing the way we feel.
1: Yeah. That's
0: never going to go away. Yeah. So it all depends on what choices you make to help you change the way you feel.
1: Absolutely. And it's interesting. Like I always I always tell clients like the hardest part of, of healing for trauma or healing from neglect is is not like carrying the bad feelings. You've actually probably got that down. You know what I mean? Like you've got all your coping skills. You know how to handle the bad stuff. You've been a lot, through a lot worse. It's actually accepting that good stuff is okay to happen. Because that's scary. You don't know when that's going to go away. You don't know what it means. There's a whole bunch of messages that come with good feelings. And so that is when I find the hardest work in therapy is helping people actually walk into good spaces because that is terrifying
0: for most people. So the bad feelings might just be a more comfortable place to live.
1: Totally. Because it's like, yes, what I know, this is my stoop.
0: Whereas, yeah. like,
1: good feelings, no way. I What's don't... this
0: new bowl of soup you want yeah. me to get into?
1: <laughs> I don't like this borscht.
0: No, <laughs> no. But ultimately, that's where you're going to be m- most joyful, yeah. and it's going to take a while. It just it these does. changes don't happen. Yeah, overnight, do they?
1: No, they don't. It's 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 a it's a process, and I mean, we're in process, right?
0: Hmm. Hmm. Rosie, I think you had a question. I don't know if you wanted to ask it or if you. I'm, I'm, sitting here, I'm sitting here just so in awe of this conversation. Um, I did have a question over break, which is, uh, how does somebody reconcile? Can, can um, moments of being unaccompanied live in the same space as also being well-loved? And how do you reconcile that where you have an identity of wholeness?
1: I love this question. I'm and I'm just so glad cuz I hardly ever hear you on the radio. Oh. <laughs> you need to pipe in more. Um so I I I have, you know, a beautiful mentor who always says, "Let's let's hold all things and let's hold them really close together." Like just because somebody might have harmed you, they also they also cared and it's okay to hold them really close together because you needed that care. And that's really important and nobody's going to take that away from you. And so I, you know, it's tricky to like work through because I think what we try to do in our brain is we try to go black and white. Like I I hear this a lot, like, and and it's very, it's in the culture right now, like you break off your toxic families. And again, if somebody needs to do that, awesome, super supportive, but they need to decide that and they need to go through that process, you know? Um, But like when it's, trying to do that binary thing of they're all evil or they're all good. Some families are all evil. <laughs> they are. <laughs> I've seen it. However, like how do we hold it all together and hold the truth of all of it and let it all be known that there was good and there was bad? And it's okay to hold both, like just letting it all be. and And that's, I don't know, I feel like that's the way to to move forward so that things don't get lost because a lot of people have a lot of guilt when they have such a good, there was so much care and it's okay to name the, it's okay to name the unaccompaniment. It's just okay. It doesn't harm
0: anyone. Yeah. It really changes the way we look at things when we call it unaccompaniment, or we didn't have someone to help us process an experience or a piece of history from our life. And I tell you that can really stick with you for decades or it maybe can. not your whole life, maybe your whole life.
1: Yeah. And I, I'm, I know I, I say this all the time, but like the, the kind of the studies that they've done have shown that trauma is not about trauma is not about the events that happen. Trauma is about being unaccompanied after the event or being believed and like surrounded after the event. You know what I mean? So it's a failure of relationship. We are relational beings and everything is about relationship. And so when that relationship breaks, it's a big deal. And so unaccompaniment, like you're saying if you if you have an event like move towards people, mm-hmm. like it is hard, it's hard to sit with people that are that are having all the feels, but
0: But you're also suggesting then that people possibly had the skill set to help process but they chose not to i'm thinking maybe they didn't have the skill set to process yeah so there's problems everywhere
1: there's problems everywhere yeah. i know it's isn't messy. this uplifting well no
0: i mean <laughs> it's it's true it's it, i think there's truth to it yeah. so i guess we never we never mind just telling the truth Absolutely. but yeah this is this has been a difficult challenging hour but you you're a complete delight so i mean i, I don't i don't worry about about that about the truth yeah, yeah.
1: Well, and plus, I think the truth is what people are going through, right? Yeah, And Jesus promises to walk into those spaces and rebuild and redeem. I mean, he's the redeemer of the lost. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the lost
0: soul, the lost spirit, the lost memory, the lost, period. Yeah.
1: I was just doing a really, 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 really hard um, EMDR, which is like a type of therapy, Mm -hmm. like for trauma therapy. And we were just processing something really hard. And the person that I was working with said, I was like, "Whoa, you just got really okay. Like, what what just happened for you?" And 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 they were like, "I, I just I just really, really, really have a sense that that Jesus has this, and He's with me, and it's okay to walk forward in this and keep processing this because He's with me, and He's with all the different parts of me." I mean, it was just like a beautiful like moment to watch a body calm because that's what we're always looking for—not like a calm numbing calm, but mm-hmm. a really actual like. Ah, he's with me. Yeah. I'm accompanied.
0: That's a beautiful way to end. So thank you for that. Yeah.
1: Thank you, Jesus. To my, Jesus my <laughs>
0: is with you tonight, right? Absolutely. And he will never leave you Absolutely. and never forsake you and always be alongside. Absolutely. Yep. He's with you in every storm, past, present, and future. So, Jody Goldie, thank you so much. I will again refer you to the website where you can learn more about Jody. Unfortunately, her. her Caseload is quite full. It's yeah. Go ahead. I
1: do want to say one thing that if you go to our website and you click on our team at the bottom of it, there's something called Air Network Therapists, and that's um, people who are trained by our clinic in complex trauma. And there's some amazing providers on nice. there.
0: That's, so. that's uh, mwtraumacentre.com. That's our show for the day. Thank you so much for being with me. I look forward to being with you tomorrow. Have a great night.